In this episode of Aval Network, I speak with Tiffany Berry, who's Dean and full research professor in the Division of Behavioral and Organizational Sciences at Claremont Graduate University, where she also received her PhD. She has a ton of different interests in areas uh, like educational program evaluation, educational curricula, comprehensive school reform, after school services, social emotional learning, and, and so forth. She has had a, a ton of different publications, uh, as well as uh, more than uh, 75 technical evaluation reports, various peer-reviewed journals in leading evaluation and youth development journals. So there, during this episode, we cover a lot. We talk about the technical framework she uses in her evaluations, how she emphasizes or starts with a theory-based approach and where she goes with, uh, from there. We cover some of her experiences working on research evaluation uh, projects, research and evaluation projects, and some of the challenges that she's encountered through the years and how she's dealt with them. She also mentions that the being involved in academia and teaching uh, evaluation courses helps her stay current and incorporate new knowledge in her evaluation work. She also learns a ton from her students and stays connect connected with practitioners in the field through networking and collaboration. We talk about her thoughts regarding training and evaluation, the advantages of getting trained in an evaluation program who wants to do evaluation work. And uh, we talk about also how her, her lab approaches uh, training, the practical training approach that they that she uses, which involves the intentional scaffolding of experiences for students to gain skills in areas that evaluators uh, need skills in, right? Like data collection, data entry, client interaction, project management, and, and more. And then, of course, we also talk about the evaluation programs at Claremont. So if you're interested in any of these topics, I think you'll find this episode to be very interesting. And here we go. Tiffany, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to uh, have you on the podcast. Obviously, I've known you for a while, a few yeah. years now, maybe more than a few years. I don't know. Since yeah, the after what? After yeah, School what? All-Stars. Yeah, yeah what, what has been the year? Maybe 2015, maybe? Yeah, that's pretty good. I think something like that. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, I wanted to just uh, kind of talk with you about evaluation, go figure, and yeah. evaluation related stuff and get your insights and opinion. And I think we'll uh, we'll have some really interesting things to talk about. So kind of leading off, uh, what uh, can I ask you, like what evaluation models, um, frameworks, or social you know, science kind of uh conceptual models do you find especially helpful in your in your work yeah so um uh i i specialize in doing a lot of youth development program yeah. evaluation um so i i do work with a lot of school districts and educational programs community based programs foundations that are really aligned to trying to help youth thrive um, so in those, in those kinds of projects, the, the, uh, the frameworks that I really go to are really drawn from evaluation theory. Mm. So, I mean, obviously, you know, there's, you know, the stats and the traditional methodological training, but when I think about kind of these core frameworks and I really use four of them, one being theory driven. So really thinking about what is this conceptual basis for the program and really trying to link through and understand not only what is going in, but what are the pathways to get to where you really want to be. And then I use that to really structure 
you know, our, our questions, our measurement, our use, um, and, you know, reporting of our evaluation. So that's one, right. You know, uh, uh, another and that's one central would, and that's like your foundational kind of, well, thing. I would say there's four foundational, Okay. Uh, but so that's quite a foundation. Okay, that's great. It's a big foundation. Um, but like, so the theory driven, but I would say that was like the anchor, you know, that that's like the conceptual piece of okay. things together. Then right. it would be, um, and not in any particular order would be collaborative. Um, so really thinking through, um, that the folks that we're working with are the experts in their context. So I don't want to do anything without their input, advice, support, collaboration, like I want to learn from them. So really honoring that that piece, which then kind of goes hand in hand with the third, which is kind of contextually responsive, culturally responsive work, knowing that we come from a different lived experience or whatever the case may be, really trying to check biases and think about values and um, and, you know, in really authentic ways that are going to help move the work forward. And then I think the last one is, is use that, like, I don't want to do anything that just, you know, thanks Tiff for the report and we're going to put it on the shelf and never think about it again. Yeah. Um, so everything from the very beginning throughout is really focused around kind of utilization focused frameworks, but not necessarily kind of checklist for use, but rather how do we engage the the clients and stakeholders in a way that we can position the work so that they, they're not waiting for some report at the end, but they're continuously thinking and using data as we as we go through. Um, so those would be kind of the the four. Is that last pillar? Is it sort of guided by utilization-focused evaluation, or it has it's uh, it's informed? Yeah, I mean, informed by that and others that have uh, a use uh, as focus. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's one of the challenges with you know students who are learning these evaluation theories and frameworks. It's like, mm -hmm. are they a descriptive framework? Are they a prescriptive framework? Um, and the way that like I think about a lot of these theories is that all of them are very rich in description, but very few are followed prescriptively. Like here's the checklist of use that we have to go through. Here's the 21 point checklist, uh -huh. but rather how do we, how do we evaluatively think and, you know, and how that is used as a frame for engaging the clients. So if you don't really care about use, which yeah. is, which is, um, you know, I think one of one of the differentiators between kind of traditional social science, you know, and and eval, if you don't care as much about use, like it doesn't really matter if everybody's bought in, you know, you're putting together a randomized control trial, and that's the design you're going to use, and you're going to mm -hmm. collect data, and you're going to report it. But if it's not aligned to what people need, or how they need it, or what questions that they have, then it literally is, you know, an accountability mechanism, which then, you know, has its place, but we can do so much more and better. Yeah. Your colleagues and friends who are evaluators, you see that that people tend to have the, um, their own sort of pillars, you know, the that they put together from different uh, frameworks, theories, evaluation models. Um, do you see that? Do you see kind of? Yeah, I mean, everyone so has their own kind of way of they might uh, way of kind of seeing and, and doing evaluation to some degree. I mean, I think so. I mean, I think so. But I think that's really for folks who have been trained in the discipline of eval. Okay. Because I think if you haven't really been trained, you're not thinking about those things because you don't know them. 
You don't, mm. you don't know them. It might've come in from practice, you know, like, oh, I really want people to use my stuff, yeah. um, which, you know, isn't a novel concept, but, um, but I don't think everybody, you know, without kind of formal training around these theories. Um, but then you do have, I think, evaluators that work in a specific subfield, like, you yeah. know, again, there's so many frameworks and theories. So are you coming from a social justice lens? Are you trying to empower? Are you trying to, you know, um, so those, I think, um, you know, can, can happen regardless of training, um, or evaluation specific training. But when we think about these frameworks, I think a lot of it does come from mm -hmm. evaluation specific training. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's I one of the orals questions that we ask students at, you know, one of their qualifying exam questions sometimes that we ask that is, sense. Yeah. you know, what's your framework? Like, how do you think about doing evaluation? You know, mm -hmm. what's your theory? What's your yeah. theory? about how to do this work well. Yeah, that's analogous like during like the my uh, clinical training, you know, you have to like what's your theory or what's your, you know, and it might be uh in, an integrated sort of uh, a theory uh, that in incorporates other theories, but yeah, like with and then with evaluate, you know, what you just said about evaluation, like I came into evaluation as one of those people not trained in evaluation and I only learned about it as I started to teach it and started to, you know, was forced to kind of read the the different models and then get familiar with with the you know more familiar with the ones and, and really yeah. dive into the ones that I that resonate with me and I found to have like you know value. Mm -hmm. um, but that but that took a while. So in the beginning, like looking back, like, you know, I came at it like thinking, you know, what's evaluation evaluation, same thing as research. You know, and a lot of people mm -hmm. say the same say that at the beginning. Uh, well, and they and they yeah. still do if they don't yeah. have evaluation specific training. It's like sure. eval is just still. a you know a randomized control trial, but in the field. Right. And it's like Okay, that's maybe one approach, but there are, you know, several yeah. other um, approaches out there for how to think about and do this work. So let me ask you something else. So, um, so what what are um, some some of the most common challenges that uh, you find when you're evaluating uh, educational programs? You do a lot of education, like after school, like that kind of uh, youth development. What are some of the most challenges you encounter, and sort of how do you? tend to address them? I know it's a very broad question, but maybe an example or a, you know, well, be helpful for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can think about, you know, when I started doing this work 25 plus years ago, um, the real challenge was every educational program was evaluated and thought successful if they were yeah. moving standardized test scores. So um, it, it's like, what's the value of having a youth development program that doesn't improve standardized test scores? So it was like, that was a real challenge back in the day to kind of disconnect because many of the activities are not theoretically aligned to the things that would move test scores, nor are test scores a good indicator of, you know, success around, you know, holistic child development. So there was a, there was a huge you know, push, I think, in the field that wasn't just evaluators, it was practitioners and researchers, you know, and in youth development scholars that are like, it doesn't make any sense for us to, to narrowly, um, you know, pigeonhole educational programs into one indicator of success. Um, so that I think was a real challenge. So, uh, you know, and using the theory of change uh, kind of framework was really helpful to show folks that you know, like, let's look at the literature, like you're doing mentoring with kids. What are reasonable outcomes connected to mentoring youth? Are 
improvements like show me a study that right. shows maybe know. like more like proximal outcome like more proximal and then it's kind of going like that's right that's right you know so i think that has been kind of one of the main challenges was just getting folks to you know and i remember having conversations they're like well tiff we have to measure standardized test scores because that's what the funders want and it's like, okay, so if we have to do that, number one, we need to push back on our funders. We need to change the narrative. We we can't just, you know, be measuring things that don't make any sense to, you know, for the conceptualization of your program, you know, but then other thinking about, okay, is that a long-term impact versus a proximal impact? And what is that, you know, kind of charting those those pathways? Um, but then I think, I think more recently, folks have really struggled with, um, you know, measurement of these um, youth development outcomes. Like mm -hmm. what, what is it? What is the magical outcome? Is there a youth development index mm -hmm. that then if you meet these indicators, like yeah. that means you're thriving. Um, so, um, you know, and many times, uh, you know, again, specifying what type of outcome is most aligned to the kinds of services that you're providing? You know, is it tutoring? Is it mentoring? Is it relationship building? Is it social emotional skills? Is it life skills? Is it, you know, so that we often have lots of conversations with programs about trying to understand kind of the their paradigm for youth development. Mm -hmm. um, and fortunately, there's been, you know, an increase in the the, the types of measures that are available. Um, obviously, we create our own as well as use, you know, validated measures that already exist in the field. But that is um, that is a, a challenge because you can't measure everything. Mm -hmm. uh, so what are you going to really, you know, kind of tie yourself to? Um, so that's been a challenge. I would say. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so. Um... But very much informed by so that process has been very much informed by the the sort of uh, grounded in theory, like the the selection of outcomes, and then for sure, for sure, the, the assessment and, of those uh, are it, that's a that's a challenging thing. Got it. Yeah, and then I think the other thing too is uh, running high quality programs. Like that's really hard. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. you can't you know you you can't just put something on paper and then hire some people and then expect it to be high quality. So, um, you know, there is this need for really training staff adequately, retaining staff, you know, retaining teachers um, and, you know, implementing services that that youth are going to need um, that, again, differ by context and community and culture. Yeah, it's hard. So you can identify the right outcomes. You can measure them well. But if the program isn't implemented. Uh, with high quality than um, all of that. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen that before where you go through all that motion, all those, all those, uh, uh, not go through the motions, but I mean more like you measure those outcomes very carefully. And then the, it really comes down to the program wasn't, you know, well implemented. Uh, I think yeah. we lost in it. So I don't know. I mean, I mean, I think so, but yeah. then you have to track it and you have to measure it and you uh -huh. have to measure quality, which sometimes is bypassed. In eval, yeah. it's like okay, let's just look at outcomes. Let's just right, you know right, right. growth yeah. over time, but then you really don't know if it's the theory, right? Huey Chen talks about this as the type three error, you know, um, that you know if you're if you're um, not seeing significant outcomes, is it because of the implementation flaws or is it because of the program design? 
But to be honest, we've also stopped evaluations um, because as we embark on the um, theory driven, you know, and trying to specify this theory of change, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's very, very clear that there's no way for you to reach the outcomes that you intend to reach with the dosage, with the quality, with the activities. So let's focus on improving those so that you have the potential for producing outcomes. And that is just part of, I think, ethical practice, which I don't know how often is done because it's like you're giving up, you know, as an independent evaluator, you yeah. might, you so, know. So focusing on program design. So thinking back, like I'm going back to the drawing board and yeah. how it's implemented and, and the controls around that. And yeah. So even like know. something as simple as dosage, I mean, even, you know, if, if they're, if they're generally serving kids, you know, five days a year, there isn't a shred of evidence that that's going to make an impact on the outcomes that they're trying to reach. Hmm. So what are the ways that we can increase dosage within a high quality program? You know, because you, you could just, okay, let's just see maybe one out of a million, it's going to work. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel it's unethical. So at mm. least have the conversation, you know, with them before um, they invest. I mean, even you see large federal, you know, national evaluations that at the end of the day, oh, we didn't see significance. Oh, dosage was, you know, one eighth of what we expected. Okay. Well, we might have wasted there you resources. Go. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, you know, have you, has there been a time when you've had to change your evaluation approach due to unforeseen circumstances or changes in the program being evaluated? And I think what you mentioned is kind of like that, but any other examples of uh, uh, that well, can speak to that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know about changing our, um, like the frameworks that we use. I mean, obviously there's always, you know, the, the politics and the people are going to be different. So sometimes you think you can go in using one approach and then you see that it's going to fail or stall. So you have to pivot. I mean, when I think about like pivoting on a project, there's always pivoting on projects, like all always, the time. Always, 100%. You know, always. Like if you come yeah. in and that's some of the problems with evaluation just within the social science frame is that they're not as open and responsive to the pivots. Um, and, uh, but I mean, even we did work with Feeding America and, um, we were evaluating a program and the entire focus of our evaluation was about improvements, you know, taking this program from the 1.0 version to the 2.0 version. So it's very aligned with, you know, recommendations and so on and so forth. And then about three weeks before the final report was due, uh, they ended up not receiving funding for this next 2.0 version. So it was almost like, okay, Tiff, are we gonna be able to use anything because you've been orienting everything towards this 2.0 version, which we told you to do, which was intentional. Like there was a reason that we're doing this. Um, so we we literally, like we had three weeks till the report was due. Yeah. Uh, we were obviously so familiar with all of the, you know, interviews and all of the, you know, data that had been collected. We added a chapter to the report focused on strategy. Mm. So we we reanalyzed interviews and focused on kind of food banking strategy that that surfaced, you know, around not just kind of the recommendations and the 2.0 stuff. Um, and we wrote another chapter 
you know, in the report. And then in three weeks, we had to go, you know, kind of engage in a in a uh, sense making. Here's some preliminary analyses. You know, what do you think? What do, you know? How can we use this? Um, and we spend a large majority of the meeting on strategy. You know, so, so a lot of can you explain what that means when you're when you're talking about strategy in this context? Like, well, so maybe strategy, what's an example? Yeah. So, I mean, if if we were if we were having interviews focused on um, on improving the program, you know, like what are the things that need to be improved? Why does it work? How does it work? Et cetera. Um, we were focusing on specific um, uh, parts of the program that could be instrumentally changed or improved. Right. Mm -hmm. Which right. is not about strategy. It's about kind of program implementation. Okay. Strategy would be like we need um, better focus on you know food justice kinds of programs. So it's like thinking about food justice, thinking about you know needs you know in in a more um, kind of holistic way, or right. you know. Uh, so it's like how do we even approach food banking, um, and what what's what are the what's the field saying about how we approach food banking? Um, which again, that was a real pivot because it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't hard, it wasn't hard to do, but it took, you know, we wrote, we reanalyzed, you know, interviews, but, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of evaluators might've not made that choice. They might've said, you know, sorry that you didn't get refunded, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah. if a principal for, I mean, for me, at least if a principal is about use, it was very much like, you're going to have this sit on you know, the, yeah, no one's going to use it. It'll shelf. die right there and it'll be rem rem remembered as a kind of a failed project. Failed project. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. And strategies distinguished from uh, tactics. So more like the overarching approach and then the, the specific. Yeah, the conceptualization. And... Okay. Yeah. Got it. So how does our field, how does evaluation, how does the field of evaluation, discipline of evaluation fit into the larger landscape of social science, social science research, and, you know, what sets it apart from these, from other disciplines in your, in your opinion? Yeah. I mean, when I think about evaluation, there is, um, you know, I do tend to think about um, uh, issues like values, um, issues like uh, uh, going beyond monitoring. Mm -hmm. Um, thinking evaluatively, having this critical, um, critical thinking mindset around, you know, um, not only what works or how does it work, but should it work in a different way in order to maximize the kinds of outcomes you see? Um, are we right? So when I think about kind of even monitoring versus eval, you know, much of the monitoring landscape is, is, you know, tracking inputs and outputs and, um, you know, counting the number of people that came and, you know, what services they received, but not were they any good or mm -hmm. were they the right kinds of services for the population that came in through the door? And how do you know? And and so um, when you take kind of a traditional social science frame, now we're using all of those methods, right? But we're also using other additional methods that might be more in tuned with a particular context. So when I think about evaluation specific training, it really is growing our toolkit so that when we're in a certain context with certain people, you're like, okay, you know, we think about issues like epistemology. If I care about you using this information, 
and I care about you as people, what is going to move you to action? Like, is it quant data? Is it qual data? Is it a little bit of both? Like, what's the epistemological kind of grounding that they have so that we can align, you know, our tools and services and activities in a way to really help shape um, kind of the social betterment of this world, right? Kind of one program at a time. So if if we only have social science theory, and again, we use social science theory all sure. the time, sure, like yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah. And in fact, I think some of the hallmark of training that we have at Claremont is this cross-disciplinary training. So, you know, in, in my field, they're, you know, my students are as equipped and as knowledgeable about developmental science, positive youth development, you know, facilitators, barriers to, you know, youth thriving as they are with theory driven and doing this work in communities and speaking the language of practice. Um, and, you know, and I think that's that's something that is training that is unique that, um, you know, if you're in a traditional, you know, program that focuses on, you know, methods and stats, you know, then that's giving you some tool kits to use, but it's it's limited. You know, it's really limited because you don't really think about values. You know, evaluation you do. Um, and you don't really think about, like, how can I make this better? It's, you know, I'm reporting the stats. The stats are the stats. You know, um, and we we want to kind of bring our our programs along this journey of of learning and kind of continuous improvement and, um, you know, building the best programs possible so that it impacts the most people possible. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. It does. It does. It's uh, spot on. I appreciate it. Can I? So um, so sh uh, shifting a little bit. Um, how do you how do you stay current with what's going on in evaluation as things kind of uh, change, evolve, grow? Um, how do you incorporate uh, sort of new knowledge practice into your work into what you do? How do you stay current? Yeah, I mean, I think this is where if you're teaching in evaluation, you're you're almost forced to stay current. You know, mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously, I teach. Um, you know, I, I teach evaluation courses, um, kind of the main evaluation practice course at Claremont. Um, and each year it's offered every fall. Um, and every year I'm revising it. Every mm -hmm. year I'm adding new articles. Every year I'm, you know, changing things up, maybe not full, you know, re redos, but there's always, you know, new articles that have come across my desk. And I'm like, oh, that fits in perfectly into week three for XYZ. So um, being able to kind of inform teaching by what's the latest uh, happening, um, that's one way. I think another way also being in academia is um, the students. The students are like, Tiff, I just learned this, you know, technique for evaluating or for, you know, measuring uh -huh. the effectiveness of, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, like I've come across this, what do you think about it? And then I'll bring it into lab. Like, let's all read it. Let's talk about it. So, um, they have been so instrumental to, you know, because they're getting trained in the latest and greatest state of the art techniques. And, you know, when I got my PhD, um, you know, stats and methods have expanded. Um, so being able to really, um, learn 
these additional techniques, you know, via students or via teaching. Um, it's like integrating into practice, you know, a, a lot of the advancements in, you know, statistics, like I'm not really able to bring into practice because the kinds of questions that are being asked aren't necessarily, you know, aligned with particular techniques. So rarely do I have you know, clients that would say things that would make me think, okay, social network analysis is the, you know, kind of tool for that. Um, but but I think that's kind of the amazing thing about, about trying to stay current um, because there's such an amazing wealth of information out there. Um, I think the challenge in our field is that there is so much happening in practice that yeah. doesn't make its way into the into the world right. um, because it's like, oh, if it's not published, then it's not, you know, real knowledge. And it's like, no, there is so many advancements in practice. So even finding pathways for how local practitioners are addressing something or thinking about something because, you know, the, the end result is not going to be a publication that then is, you know, kind of broad dissemination. So, um, you know, I've, I've been able to get a lot of information from, um, especially in my specific field, um, from funders who have launched, you know, either practice partnerships or kind of conceptualized papers, um, you know, that aren't in, you know, they're not in our kind of our traditional journals. Yeah. Um, but like we regularly go to those foundations, go to those big kind of, um, you know, organizations that are publishing good work, but on their website. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's valued and has shaped the way that we thought about our work. Nice. So from students, from teaching, from just having to stay current, and then uh, from, well, a lot from, from funders, from foundations, from uh, the folks who are uh, creating and, and uh, running evaluations or having them uh, or partnering and, and uh, yeah. looking at well, their use, what, what they're actually doing, right? what's well, actually yeah. done out there, published or not, but uh, available through uh, you know, websites or other places. Okay. Yeah. And the yeah. real, and the real nice thing, you know, being at Claremont is I've got a lot of smart people around me and being in the field for 25 years, I've got a lot of smart practitioners around me. So there is this interconnected network of smart people that, Hey, can I run something by you? How would you, mm -hmm. you know, like what technique would you use or how would you approach this? You know, so just also relying on, on your network, um, to, to help shape how you might think. Yeah. So people who are interested in going in and like being, working as an evaluator, being an evaluator one day, um, what, uh, what advice do you have for, for, you know, people sort of just starting out or interested in evaluation? Um, maybe entering a career in evaluation or entering a graduate program. Like what are some things you, you, you find yourself telling people? Well, I mean, come to Claremont for sure. <laughs> right. I mean, clearly. Um, but I mean, I think I, I think the problem is, is that a lot of students, uh, you know, evaluation isn't, you know, typically an undergrad major. So folks literally are kind of as what you described, the accidental evaluator. So they, you know, get a bachelor's degree. They're like, oh, you're good at math. Uh, you're good with yeah. people. Now you're the evaluator at our program. 
Um, so we do get quite a few students kind of from this, you know, accidental uh, evaluator uh, kind of mentality. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, which I mean, there is there is, I think, intense value uh, in evaluation specific training. Um, and there are many more evaluation programs, you know, that are that are both here in the U.S. as well as abroad, you know, in the past 20, 30 years. Uh, some of them are, you know, standalone kinds of programs, but most are embedded in different disciplines. You know, ours is embedded in psychology. Um, there's there's eval programs in public administration and health and, you know, lots in business, you know, mm -hmm. lots of different um, kind of places. But um, but and then I think the other thing is that we have a pretty robust network of professional development offerings. So Claremont uh, uh, yeah. took over the Evaluators Institute. Um, so sometimes when I talk to folks out in the field and you just want to get your feet wet and like see a little bit about it, like come to a TEI workshop, see if it excites you, see if it, you know, engages you. Um, and then if you want some additional training, then, you know, we have master's programs, we have an mm -hmm. online you know, eval specific master's program, you know, a master's in science program, you know, and then obviously we have our doctoral training um, and soon to be launched practical doctorates in eval, um, which is really exciting. So, um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of entry points, you know, into the field, um, like you don't have to get a PhD to do work mm -hmm. yeah. out in this, in this field. So for some people, you know, taking a couple of, you know, TEI workshops, helps you get enough um, to, to solve the problem that you're focusing on in your, you know, specific job. Um, but I would say most of the folks then want to kind of get more. They're hungry for more and they realize how much they maybe could benefit from thinking yeah. about, you know, issues like evaluation policy. I mean, a lot of times evaluation policy within organizations is, is as it is because, the person who developed the policy might not know what evaluation is. So we just do things because that's the way folks have always done them. Mm -hmm. um, but then once you get some additional training, you're able to like, wait, that's probably, you know, what are we trying to achieve and how do we do that? And um, so... TEI, is it uh, offered online or and uh, in person or just in person? Well, you know, we, we did in offer the them only in person. Yeah. And then COVID. And then we offered them only online. And now um, we offer them still only online, but we are talking about um, putting some of them in person, like for a July program, because we have oh, like nice. a March program, a July program, and an October program. Oh, cool. Um, you know, but you know, we survey obviously our our you know participants and what what do you want and you know how can we kind of provide the training that's going to really benefit you. Um, and it's not an easy answer of, you know, some folks prefer online, some folks, you know, prefer in person, but it's been much easier to grow the the a number of people who are participating because you don't have to go travel for two days and sit in a workshop for another two days. Um, so getting time off work or, you know, the funds associated with it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and just making it more accessible to people all over the world, mm -hmm. um, you know, online is the way to go. That's uh, pretty cool to come and uh, check out your lovely campus. That's a, a picture in the back of what, what yes. building is that? What is that right there? Do, yeah, do... so that's Harper Hall. That's where like the president and the provost and uh, like the School of Education uh -huh. is in there. My office is directly opposite. 
that ah. building. So, you're so gonna, you, look, you look at that building then? I look at that building and the fountain all the time. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. So, so give me both sides to this. Advantages and disadvantages of getting a graduate degree in evaluation versus uh, another area if you want to go work as an evaluator. So you've talked a little, you've talked a bunch about the advantages. There might be, I'm sure there's more, but what are some, you know, what are some disadvantages of getting the uh, graduate degree in, in evaluation versus other areas? What would you say? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, uh, uh, I don't know. That's a hard one. Disadvantages. Um, I mean, I think, uh, if there are standalone eval specific training that's not contextualized to an area. So if you want to mm -hmm. do public yeah. administration, yeah. Yeah, 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 um, it's not going to help you as much being in an eval program within a psychology department. Okay. As yeah. it would if you were embedded in, you know, kind of a cross-trained program with eval and public administration. Okay. Right. Um, so I do feel like, even though, of course, you know, we believe in evaluation as a trans discipline, it helps many other disciplines. Um, when I think about evaluation specific training, where I, where I have been, I think most successful as, you know, a mentor educator, um, you know, dissertation supervisor has been when we have contextualized the evaluation within a discipline. Mm -hmm. So being able to truly cross-train folks in organizational psychology and evaluation, right? What happens if you're just org psych and you don't know anything about eval? Many org psych people are going into organizations and they're going to be asked to do eval. So we want to train them to think like an evaluator if they're doing evaluation work. The problem is, of course, is that we have... Um, no standards for, you know, um, I mean, we have competencies, we have standards, we have guiding principles, but we have no accountability for those. Yeah. So, um, you know, anyone can say, hey, now I'm an evaluator. Right. Um, right, right. Yeah. yeah. You know, so what, do you, uh, what do you think about that? Where, where should we head on that? What's your what's your view on that? I don't think we ever spoke. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I am such a such a fan of having highly qualified people do these types of positions because I feel like evaluation has such a potential for really helping us achieve social betterment. Like I truly fundamentally believe that with all the fire in my belly. Um, that said, um, there are a lot of folks out there that don't know about evaluation as a discipline and they're doing this work. And I truly feel like they could be more impactful if they had evaluation specific training, which is why, like, even, you know, with our approach, we're trying to find so many opportunities to train. Like, if you already have your PhD in microbiology, but now you're working in programs, you know, science programs, like, come back through TEI mm -hmm. and take some workshops that focus on that evaluation specific training. Um, now, um, you know, because what I've seen is folks without that type of training, like they're not familiar with the American Evaluation Association. They yeah. don't regularly go to a conference. They're not, you know, familiar. Now, are they doing bad work? I don't think that. But could they be elevating their work, making a stronger impact? You know, maybe, maybe. But I think that we're not quite there. I mean, I, I, I think we, we break down in the U.S., um, when we start thinking about like what would be an exam or a portfolio of projects to demonstrate mm -hmm. competency in eval, you know, and it's yeah. like, oh, well, I'm only doing randomized control trials and that's my portfolio. 
right? right? Or yeah, I'm yeah. only doing case studies or I'm, you know, doing narrative syntheses or, you know, and it's like a recognition of all of those methods are critically important. Right. There is not one that's better than another. It's just a matter of fitting that method to the right context and to the right question. Um, so even just like thinking about that type of work, thinking about values, like how how do we elevate, you know, those voices that aren't typically elevated? Like, you know, some buy into that, some don't. So you get licensed uh, in the United States. You need to be licensed to do, be a social worker, to be a physician, to be a psychologist, a clinical psychologist and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it doesn't look like that will happen at, for evaluation for at least for some time. There's no real movement for that. But what, what about, um, what, do you have any thoughts on like why um, an organization hasn't come forward and just created their own, uh, you know, credentialing process for people in the, in the U.S.? I mean, you have the Canadian system um, and that organization could be, uh, a freestanding, it could be anything, right? Any, and then yeah. as long as people respect it and it, it has that content validity that you're talking about and maybe some other things that is truly representative, but uh, is it, uh, do you think that something like that might happen? Like a, an institution, an academic institution might do that or uh, some I other AEA or-, or uh, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of lessons from Canada around their, you know, credentialing system. I know one yeah. of my colleagues, Stuart Donaldson and yeah. um, Leslie Fierro evaluated it. Um, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago. Oh. Um, uh, I don't have all those details right in my brain. Um, but I remember a conversation with Michael Scriven probably 20 years ago when we were uh, talking about competencies and, uh, you know, how should we even think about training evaluators? um, you know, in, in Claremont. And, um, and he said, it's never going to happen in the U S um, ever because we can't afford it. So what happens when someone is, uh, licensed and says that they are able to, uh, you know, do high quality evaluation work. And then, um, a program loses its funding because of the result of a report that says your program didn't work. Mm -hmm. Then, they would sue. And who would they sue? Perhaps the accrediting body, the licensure body. So it's like mm, thinking I about, see. I see. you know, who has enough market. cash, yeah. right? Who yeah. has enough cash to, because I mean, you know, this is an important job and there are, you know, um, real implications for producing reports that say the program isn't working. And you know what? What a you know what's what's going to happen to that? So it's like malpractice, and mm. you know. It, it, so that was a conversation. I mean, literally, probably twenty years ago or more, mm -hmm. um, where he's like, "It's never going to happen because nobody has enough funds to to withstand the lawsuits." That's interesting. What well, I mean, there's malpractice insurance, but uh, I guess maybe the those uh, that would uh, couldn't absorb all the. There was a sense that there would be just a tremendous amount of litigation every time. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah it's like, well, you I, know. I wonder, yeah, I, mean, I wonder, you know, a lot of times evaluators are blamed when uh, things don't uh, go well. I've, I've certainly had that where um, sort of like blamed for, you know, there not being positive findings. Yeah. Well, it's or, funny because one of our faculty members who's now over in Santa Barbara at Tarkazam, yeah. um, 
he would always kind of talk about that, you know, clients become the best methodologist as soon as the, you know, uh, evaluation says that the program doesn't work. Then it's like, well, what was the validity of that scale? And what about this? And what about that? You know, but when it's glowing, you know, they don't look at any of these details. But as, yeah, but as right, soon yeah. as it's like, no, this doesn't work, then they become, you know. Defense attorneys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. But, you know, I mean, even like, so I think about that, even in my practice, like how can we, you know, uh, share findings as we go and build that trust and rapport so that, again, it's not so defensive once, uh -huh. a, you know, once a, a result comes out that, you know, says that maybe this program could be improved, which again, shock of all shocks. Every program can be improved. I've never evaluated a program in 20 yeah. years that didn't have some areas to, you know, to really maximize the impact. You know, that's standard. Got it. Yeah. So providing feedback along the way. So there's not just a lottery ticket that's drawn at the end and you're like working or not working. Goodbye. <laughs> but it's like it's uh, it happens as a program goes. And Yeah. So but that's also part of like the challenges the with the social science methods. Mm -hmm. You know, is that many are organized around only causal questions, which yeah. is, does the program work? And they're like, nope. Right. Just summative oriented. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So. So your, your, your program, the Claremont program or programs, um, cause there's more than one, there's masters, there's two different types yeah. of masters, right? They have the yeah. right PhD. Um, maybe there's more, um, there's all the, tra the training, the, the uh, TEI, right? Mm -hmm. Got the acronym right. Um, what, what is what's unique around the evaluation programs there compared to other evaluation programs? What would you say? Like, how do you see it? Um, I mean, um, like, I'm certainly not an expert in a lot of the other, uh, you know, programs out there. But uh -huh. one of the things that we, I think, do really, really well is marry practical experience with theory. So um, it's not just a matter of, you know, learning eval theories, learning stats, methods, and then like, goodbye, enjoy, but that we set up structured scaffolded time to work on projects. I mean, they all get paid to work on evaluation projects that are really kind of apprenticeship opportunities. So there's a lot of, you know, scaffolding and reflection and, you know, my, my students kind of laugh because that happens when we're driving two hours from LA, like back to Claremont and rush hour. It's like, okay, so what did we learn? How could we have made that more impactful? How could we have, you know, uh -huh. um, but, but it's not just a matter of coursework, you know, and research, but it's, you know, it's, it's coursework, it's, it's practice and it's research. So being able to not only elevate the discipline, so that's, you know, for folks that want to come and study and get a PhD in evaluation, um, that we are really training them to do research on evaluation, to really grow the discipline, to enhance the discipline. Um, and, uh, you know, so that I think is in and of itself unique. Um, but then also these kind of apprenticeship models. So nobody yeah. like leaves our programs without, you know, some touch points about, okay, I've learned theories of change. Now I've done it in practice. Okay. It's a little bit harder. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit, you know, um, you know, challenging or easier than they, than they thought, but to really have these scaffolded opportunities for practice and reflection, right? I mean, it's hard doing this work and doing it well, 
like it's really hard. So without the practice component, um, you know, I, we're not sending folks out as prepared as they could be. And that's why it's definitely a pillar of our of our of our program. So the reflection part that's very deliberate, it's like a built in. So yeah. um, what does that look like? What are those discussions kind of how are they sort of formatted or? Yeah, I mean, we talk about them um, kind of informally from, you know, a project perspective, like what worked, you know, with this activity or with this program. So we have conversations at the end of projects, you know, what could we have, what, what did we learn? What could we have done better? What should we have seen signs that like something wasn't going to work? Did we know, like, did we not respond fast enough or Right. So there's like structured conversations at the end of projects, but there's also kind of structured conversations around, you know, an example is like I'm going out tomorrow to do some observations with um, students for a local program. Um, so these are these are students who have some experience from courses about, you know, developing observation protocol mm -hmm. and observing. But then you're going out there, um, you know, do you take your clipboard and, you know, have your checkoff list? You know, what does it do to come into somebody's space? And how do we do this? How do we collect the right type of information? There's a lot of information that's going to be flooded to you. Like, what's the right information? How do we know it's the right information? Um, is there something we missed? Is there, you know, so it's like, do we modify the protocol? Do we, you know, so a lot of those conversations are going to be happening on the way from home, I mean, from uh, the site back to Claremont, because um, it'll take two hours to get there. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's like, it's kind of task level feedback. But then I also in my lab structure, and again, we, we see this across a lot of the evaluation labs, is that there is an intentional scaffolding process. So when students come in, you know, both master's or PhD, you know, they're doing kind of research assistant type tasks in their first year, right? They're, you know, um, doing data entry, they're, you know, collecting data and observations, they're, you know, kind of doing data collection stuff. Um, and then there's kind of this mid-level manager where you're now kind of supervising some of the of the students. Uh, you're doing more client interaction. You're do, doing more client presentations. You're, you know, and then you have kind of in the third year um, project management. So mm -hmm. now you're helping conceptualize what we're doing, how we're doing it. We're, you know, you're getting trained on budgets, you're getting trained on project management, you're getting trained on, you know, all of those kinds of things. Um, and, you know, so that's also kind of a, a specific structure for kind of all of the different pieces on um, the eval process. So that by the time you leave with your PhD, um, or masters, uh, depending on, you know, what track you're in, you have some experience that is going to allow you to thrive out in the real world. That's very practical. Would the practical, you see, you mentioned another type of doctoral degree, potentially when uh, just a little while ago, um, with the, pra what do you call it again? It was, well, uh, we were calling or, them practical doctorates. Okay. So, would that have more of that kind of stuff? Is that like, what would, what would, um, since you only well, that's a so great space, like, what question, would, James, because we're conceptualizing that right now. And it's funny because I had just kind of shared my approach to that practical training. And, um, 
and they're like, we need to build that in more structured. So it's like right. you're coming from the start and building right. these practical experiences right. um, and, uh, you know, and what that looks like and maybe coming with a problem that you want to solve. Right. Yeah, coming, yeah. You know, coming in rather than just like, oh, I'm, you know, I just want to study methods and stats and developmental psych. Um, but that, you know, I really want to improve, you know, and reduce poverty. I want to improve educational systems. I want to. You know, so really aligning the work to a real world question, you know, that folks really care about and then building intentionally that scaffolded practical experience um, so that by the end you have the, you know, the the problem context figured out. You yeah. have the scaffolded practical experiences kind of built in intentionally. So rather than, you know, it happening in the car ride home or at the end of a project, it would be built into a course. It would be built into a, you know, a course experience. Um, so and the, as well as courses, you know, to kind of elevate your your knowledge there. Got it. You mentioned before also you, you talked about reflection um, it was a reflection on the program reflecting uh on the program or like uh reflection also uh building that in on one's own practice and the, the evaluation itself uh yeah i mean is I, it, or is it both or is it some uh, or other things yeah that, yeah i mean i think i think our local conversations are more about evaluation practice okay so if they're running a focus group for the first time it's like okay um, what worked what didn't work what could you have done better what should you have planned more what should you have you know so like in the spirit of how do we reflect on what we did um and do it better next time yeah but then sometimes that does involve like well you know i included um you know i had a difficult conversation with a client and they you know threw me an eight ball or i mean a curveball um or they were more demanding than usual or, you know, whatever the case may be. So then it's like, okay, well, what would be their motivation? What do you think they're anxious about? What do you think they're worried about? How can we kind of have this authentic conversation with them, still kind of get them to buy in and move the train forward? So sometimes it is about, you know, personnel and challenges and, you know, and a lot of times, you know, we end up having conversations about evaluation anxiety, like yeah. people see you and they're scared. They're scared that you're going to judge them or you're going to blame them for something not working. So how do you create trust and build rapport? And how can you do that at every piece of the evaluation process? Um, so it's a lot of those types of conversations. Excessive evaluation anxiety, right? What is it? Yeah. Called? <laughs> that yeah. That, uh, yeah. 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 But I mean, I also ask about like, okay, you saw me, you know, engage with this client. What could I have done better? What could right. I have done differently? You okay. know, so it's, it's okay to say like, wow, well, you were really strict or you like, let that question go. So like, why did you do that? Like, what was the intention? You know, so some of it, yeah, especially in those early years is about observing, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm going to work with, you know, a group of people and, you know, but there's always room to grow. So, so even having, and you're role, you're role modeling that like, cause someone yeah. who's doing this for a while, you're still asking about feedback yeah. everyone about your, what you did, which is, yeah. uh, which is yeah. pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Which is fun. Yeah. So um, how, how does the program support students in building a network, a professional network within the evaluation field? What, what do you think? Um, does that happen deliberately? Does it happen just sort of organically, dy uh, dynamically? Yeah. 
I mean, I think it maybe happens a little bit both, both deliberately and organically. I mean, when I think about, I mean, I think building a network is really important. Um, and I think that happens via, you know, um, engaging students at the American Evaluation Association or other professional conferences that you go to, being able to, you know, partner with them, present together, um, you know, present on papers with, you know, other evaluators at other institutions. Um, so really thinking about the professional conferences as a networking, deliberate networking opportunity. Um, I think it happens through um, uh, through collaboration on projects. So many times we might be a subcontractor or, you know, kind of connecting with, and especially I'm sure you get the same thing where folks are calling you, hey, James, can you help, you know, think about this issue? Can we put you on this grant? Can we, you know, so it's like, those are all folks in your network and being able to kind of bring your students along. So it's like, I've never worked on a project in 20 years that I didn't have a student in some capacity with me. Um, and, uh, you know, and we do a lot of, um, kind of professional development for the students. So to really try to get a sense on what is it that they really, what's the, what's the area, what's the network that they want? Cause it might mm -hmm. not be my direct network. Right. Um, so, I mean, many at, at Claremont really see us as a, as a, as a catalyst, as you know, we should be facilitating student success. And that success could be different depending on what network they want or, you know, um, but uh, so, you know, collaboration on on kind of interdisciplinary teams, professional conferences. Um, I know our students have really benefited from um, engaging in the Evaluators Institute because there's practitioners all around the world. Um, so many of them are, are connected via, you know, you spend two days with someone and it's like, you have this group of people who you feel like, you know, you're growing your network and our students serve as course producers for these, um, uh, TEI courses. Oh, so, cool. they, so they get to know, you know, folks and it's, it's been great. I mean, you know, some of the folks I've had in my class, I teach a class on project management mm -hmm. and, uh, some of the folks I've had in my class, you know, we just have, you know, time to talk about some of the challenges, you know, that they're experiencing as an evaluator and like, let's group think mm -hmm. how do we help solve. Um, and one of the one of the ladies says, well, I'm in charge of evaluating the country's response to the pandemic. <laughs> and it was like, Okay, next, we can't help you with that. No. <laughs> wow. You know, so it's like big, meaty, cool. hard things, you know, yeah, for us yeah, to yeah. grapple with. And that, you know, even just hearing that, you know, the students are, are getting that exposure. Like, these are the types of questions that people ask. These are the kinds of things that, you know, good evaluators do, you know, and yeah. are asked to do. They're all important questions, but they certainly scale uh, uh, all, all levels, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, this 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 was great. I really appreciate all this time you're spending with me here and sharing all of this. Uh, uh, there's a lot to to think about here, and I think this is this conversation is helpful not just for people looking at evaluation uh, just kind of in their early stage, but also for all evaluators and and uh, anyone interested in knowing what evaluation is. And of course, learning more about your programs and, and everything. So uh, this was great. Yeah. yeah. No, it was fun. Thanks for thanks for uh, connecting with me. I, I I love this work. I um I just I I love it. Uh, I love everything about it.
Um, so whenever we can talk about it, you know, I'm game. Cool. That sounds good. Yeah, me too. I feel the same way. All right. Well, thanks again. And uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks, James.